Welcome to the Ultimate Dentist Podcast. Join us to hear success stories of various individuals and learn clinical and life hacks to help you become the ultimate dentist. Hi everyone, uh, in this episode I am going to discuss about risk assessment of for full mouth reconstruction cases. And um, it's a, we are going to discuss seven key points when you are doing a risk assessment uh, for this type of patient. Um, first of all, before you even start doing risk assessment for full mouth reconstruction cases, you need to do risk assessment of yourself. So um, make sure that before you start doing full mouth reconstruction, make sure you have some sort of a structured training. You, you've gone through some structured training and you have some mentor in place or mentors in place who you can go to for help when you are doing your treatment planning. Because trust me that, you know, you might think that you know, you know, you have nailed this case down, you've got proper treatment planning done, everything's done, but there is always, always this curveball. I mean, even now, um, quite often I would discuss cases uh, with my colleagues or even my, my mentees because sometimes uh, when you are in this blinkered thinking, you forget to think um, outside the box. And um, I mean, many times when I discuss cases with my mentees or uh, colleagues, it's really to teach them. But during that process, um, I learn as well. And, you know, this is something every mentor will tell you that they become better clinician by mentoring. Um, because, you know, when I'm doing the treatment, you know, there are lots of things I'm doing subconsciously, which works. But when I'm teaching someone, I need to really bring out those subconscious things which I am doing and teach them to, um, you know, uh, the dentists. And, you know, that, that does help me because not all subconscious things you do are going to be beneficial, if that makes sense. So make sure you do your risk assessment. Make sure you have done structured training, um, you've got some mentors, and you are doing your first five to ten cases under mentorship. And this is something, um, you know, I'm slightly uh, baffled that, you know, when you are doing implant dentistry, let's say, mentoring has been uh, drained down onto dentists' heads. You know, everyone knows that before they start doing implants, they need mentors. You know, they need to make sure that um, they have someone helping them throughout their few first cases. However, when it comes to doing full mouth reconstruction, because it involves almost everything, every discipline, we use like um you know you you would be doing bonding which you have done day in and day out and you're very confident you might be doing crowns you might be doing veneers you might be doing onlays again you're very comfortable doing that but it's really when everything comes together the planning and treatment planning is completely different treatment planning is different for full mouth reconstruction compared to treatment planning um single veneer single crown so yes, although it's collection of single tooth dentistry, and that's why I tell uh, dentists that, you know, full mouth reconstruction is basically doing one treatment 28 times or maybe different treatment 28 times. Um, 
or, or whatever amount of teeth patients have. So uh, in full mouth reconstruction, most of the time you would have almost you you would know almost every discipline apart from sometime occlusion because mounting and taking records you don't generally do in your general dentistry you don't record CR records every single time you do single restoration so uh, so there are a few nuances but what I'm trying to say is that yes uh, you are familiar with those treatment but the treatment planning is completely different so make sure make sure you've done your risk assessment and uh, just because you know you you seen some posts or you read some books even including my book make sure that you have someone helping you um and and you know you will learn faster better and you'll be much more less stressed uh, doing this treatment so this was risk assessment for yourself when you're doing full mouth reconstruction. Now let's concentrate about risk assessment of patients. Mm-hmm. So with regards to risk assessment for patients, um, there are seven points which I would like to discuss. Um, first point is patient expectations. Make sure that you know exactly what pa- your patient wants from you. Because if your patient is, um, you know, is thinking plan B and you're executing plan A, although plan A and B are similar, um, but the goals are different, then uh, even though you've achieved your goal of maybe aesthetics and function and everything's fine technically, patient might still not be happy. And you know, if you're doing single crown or veneer or bonding and patient's not happy, that's heartbreaking as it is. Now imagine you're doing that for the whole mouth and patient's not happy. You know, it is, it's really demoralizing. So make sure that you have, you, you know what these patients' expectations. Now, many times, Patient starts with very low expectation because many times patient comes to you with very severe wear and their expectation is not that great. Um, you know, they don't know what can be achieved. And these are the cases when you get caught out, when you are trying to now finish the case and patients like brings their mirror ever so closer to their face. And, um, you know, they are being very, very picky um, about every single nuances and this is something is very difficult to pick in the beginning because sometimes patients just gone so far back uh, out uh, the teeth wise um, they can't really you can't really make a decision whether this patient's got high expectation low expectations so um, just try and have a questionnaire uh, what i tend to do is i try to ask patient to list their expectations so um, I, I have a questionnaire which I give it to patient which they fill out and one of the questions I ask is what are your expectations at the end of the treatment and um, they need to write down um, what they exactly want and I would put that in my notes and make sure that I meet them, meet those expectations and I reiterate the expectations every single time when patient comes in so they know that I'm working towards their goal not my goal. So make sure you have uh, assessed. Now, uh, I have mentioned this a lot of time, but I will mention that again, that it is super, super important that you get on with the patient. For any reason, if you cannot get on with that patient, 
please do not accept that case. That money is not worth the hassle. Okay, so no matter how desperate you are to do full mastery coaching, not for money, but maybe for practice, you know, you're just starting your journey and, you know, this is the one patient you found who really wants to have everything done um, and it's an ideal case. But, you know, if you're not getting on with the patient very well, trust me, it's not worth the hassle. I've done enough full mastery construction, implants and restorative and I can guarantee you that you will regret it if you pick a patient I've, I've been there and you know whatever i'm suggesting you i've done all the mistakes in the box i mean i have have done so many mistakes you you know you'll think i'm crazy um and and i certainly am not an intelligent person as you may think i am um you know i've learned from my mistakes um so just take from my mistake and don't repeat it basically so that number one is patient expectation the second um factor is smile line if patient has got low smile line then as you know then you can get away with um, a lot of things you can get away with not doing crown lengthening um, you know not uh, having gingival margin um, accurate you know not having those instagram gingival uh, levels now how important is that um, gingival level in my opinion uh, for aesthetics, it's very, very important. So if patient has high high lip line, you need to really get that gingival level to the point. When patients got low lip line, I personally do not care. I don't want to put through the patient having crown lengthening, having uh, extensive and expensive surgery, just so that in your retracted view with the retractors, you can get a better photos. So I'm not really bothered uh, about their gingival margin. Now, Many times, gingival margin is displaced because of the dentoalveolar compensation. Now, if that's the case, then that's a different situation. And here you need to discuss about crown lengthening. When should you do crown lengthening? Because let's say patient showing the whole lower tooth when patient's smiling because of that dentoalveolar compensation, um, and that tooth has wear and you want to build that tooth, you can't just put a composite on it because patients showing the whole tooth when you know at rest or smiling. Um, if 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 that's the case, then you either need to intrude that tooth and then restore it, or restore and then intrude, uh, whichever way you prefer or your orthodontist prefers, or you do crown lengthening and then crown it. The problem with that is if you do crown lengthening then you need to still grind the tooth down to do a crown. You can't do crown lengthening and composite bonding because, um, you know, you're exposing dentine for no reason. Uh, and then you want to bond that, you know, composite to dentine. It just doesn't work very well. So um, in that case, orthodontic treatment works. The one thing about the orthodontic treatment is when you do orthodontic treatment and do intrusion, it's A, not super easy. Um, yes, in some patients it works really well, but some patients it may not work very well. And I mean, you may not get as much um, intrusion as you want. Um, and be prepared to do some sort of gingivectomy or crown lengthening after, even after intrusion. So, uh, because you, you you can't just have the whole, many times the, the whole dentoalveolar segment doesn't just intrude. The tooth sometimes intrudes and then you get little bit overgrowth of gum or the bone is you need to still reduce a little bit bone to get the gingival margin a little bit down so you may have to play around with that as well 
So yes, we always throw this ortho in the mix that, yeah, this tooth needs orthodontic treatment, um, but it does need a lot of planning. So that's the smile line number two. So the first one was a patient expectation. The second is smile line. Third one is overall condition of teeth. So when you have doing full mouth reconstruction and you got intact teeth apart from wear, so there is no restorations, no crowns, no perio, um, just patients got pure wear, um, then those cases are more easier um, to deal with than patients got multiple large restorations, post and core crowns, veneers, implant. Um, so you need to really assess overall condition of the teeth. If patients got implants, maybe three, four implants, retain crowns, then you need to take that into factor. Do you know what brand the implant is? Is it cement retained? Is it screw retained implant? If it's screw retained, then it's maybe easier to treat. If it's cement retained, then you you need to decide whether you're going to really destroy that crown um, and, um, you know, turn that restoration to screw retained or you're going to do a new crown. So there are lots of planning needs to needs to be happen uh, if if there are you know multiple heavily filled restored teeth uh, with indirect restoration, especially post and core crowns. It's very tricky to then remove post and core crown, um, which you can maybe remove it, but then predictably restore it for long term, because patient will end up paying a lot of money for that. Um, and, you know, you don't know what you're going to find when you remove post and core crown, which might be completely okay, if that makes sense. So, you know, uh, let's say upper right one has got post and core crown, patient's fine with it, no issues with that crown at the moment. Now you're raising OVD, you need to change that crown um, because of the length, because of the occlusion. So you are going to do unnecessary removal of that post and core crown just because you're raising OVD. And you need to be able to justify to yourself first whether it's appropriate thing to do and then to patient. Um, and you need to make sure you communicate with patient very well so that patient doesn't come back and say, oh, you know, this crown was fine. Now you remove the post crown and it needs to come out. The whole tooth needs to come out. So you need to have that discussion with patient. Um, so number four is type of tooth wear. This is very easy. I've discussed this before, you know, if you have an erosive case, uh, it's much predictably treated than attrition. So if patients got bruxism, attrition wear, uh, and you're doing full mouth reconstruction, you're more likely to have chipping, breaking of the restoration than if you're treating erosive wear. So, um, I mean, ideally, your first few cases should be erosive wear, but, you know, um, the world doesn't work that way you know you you need to take what you get but it is important that you when you are discussing this with patient you point them out point it out to them that if, if they have attrition because of bruxism they will chip and break restoration and you need to be upfront with the patient um you know you don't want them to feel that this is it this is the end of the road everything will be fine this is that one treatment they need um, you need to stress and emphasize. Uh, and again, I've learned this from um, from experience that, you know, when I started doing implants 12 years ago, uh, initially, I remember, I think 
one of my patient, I finished case, uh, finished the crown and patient was a doctor. And he's like, oh, now I'm sorted for life. And I'm thinking, uh, not really. I mean, yes, I would want my implant to last for a lifetime, but you are just 52. And, um, you know, you know, I, I didn't do a good job explaining uh, to that patient that, you know, nothing's for a lifetime. You know, in medical profession, if anyone tells you that something's going to be there for a lifetime, the, the only thing someone get guarantee is that you need to have continuing care for a lifetime. Um, so just make sure you communicate with patient. Tooth alignment, if the teeth are well aligned, then that's the low risk. If it's a mild leak, there is a mild crown, then it's medium. And if it's a severe crowding, then it's a high risk patient. Why high risk patient? Because you need to A, uh, make sure that you do some sort of orthodontic treatment. Once you've done orthodontic treatment, you need to go through the stabilization phase. And then you need to start restoring patient and then stabilize that patient again. And this is something um, you need to really get good at because more and more um cases i see um and the more wiser i get um i see there are lots and lots and lots of cases of full mouth reconstruction needing ortho so there are definitely more cases than you think who, which needs orthodontic treatment um, yes you can manage them and i've managed lots of cases without orthodontic treatment with a compromised result and patients happy but it doesn't negate the fact that that does that did need orthodontic treatment. Then um, you need to assess occlusal plane, whether the occlusal plane is even, uneven, or canted facially. Um, you know, if you've got patients got a canted uh, line, midline. If the occlusal plane is even, then it's easier to treat. If it's uneven, then usually what happens is that there is a super eruption or dentoalveolar compensation of the upper upper teeth posterior going down and the lower teeth goes in intrudes a little bit and you get this steep cover speed and when you are restoring that case um, you want obviously a flattened cover speed the problem is if you if you're trying to do that then um, your you need to prepare upper posteriors a bit um, or you do orthodontic treatment, as I said before. Um, the intruding upper segment, like posterior four to six or seven, is is tricky. But again, it's, it can be achieved um, so if you have a good orthodontist. So, but assess occlusal plane. And lastly, you need to assess the bite force. You need to have a normal muscle size and bite force. Uh, if patient has normal muscle size and bite force, you it's a low. I mean, how do you assess normal muscle size? You can, you know, you can do assessment of the muscle by just grasping the masseter muscle and then see. But sometimes you can just see patient's face and you can say, oh, this has got large. This patient's got large masseter muscles. Um, so, and and a bite force. Um, if patients got high bite force, then obviously it's a it's a high risk case. And the lastly, you you want to do load testing. You know, if you if the patient has got load test positive, um, and 
the, the best way to do that is use a leaf gauge um, and patients got positive load test and that's a high risk patient and I, I personally would not treat that patient with full mouth reconstruction until I figure out the cause of the pain uh, and then solve that pain before um, going through any, any full mouth reconstruction cases or treatment. Uh, if patient hasn't got any pain in load testing, then um, that's a safe case to do. So these are the risk factor, patient expectation, smile line, overall condition of the teeth, type of tooth wear, tooth alignment, occlusal plane, bite force, and load testing. So I hope you found this uh, episode useful. Um, if you have any questions or if you have any suggestions for um, future podcasts, then please contact me, or DM me, or um, write a question on my Facebook group called Full Mouth Reconstruction for GDPs. Take care and have a lovely day. Mm-hmm.